Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. This is one of those days where I get to uh, meet uh, somebody new. I have a co-host, and I am going to get to know her at the same time all of our listeners are. She and I were just chatting a little bit. Those of you guys who have listened to the show for a long time, you know that when it comes to doing interviews, I don't like to do any prep because I want to self-discover about the person right along with you as we get to know them. And it's always fascinating to me when I meet somebody who I have an opportunity to get somebody on the podcast that's been in the industry for longer than Julie and I because there's not very many of them left. And uh, I'm really honored and I'm pleased in just a little bit of time I spent prior to the start of the podcast today getting to know Suzanne Fuqua. Did I say it right? That's right. Oh, I got it right. Hoorah! <laughs> and she is somebody who's been in the business for a long time, and I absolutely adore the opportunity to uh, learning her perspective on all the things that's transpired in the real estate uh, industry. But also, I'm really excited to learn what she's focused on as far as what she thinks are the, the big opportunities moving forward in the industry. So, Suzanne, without any further delay, thank you for being my co-host today. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Tim. All right, so I'm going to ask you the first question that you didn't want to answer right away, just so people have perspective, okay? <laughs> how long have you been in the <laughs> – right? Let's just jump right into the, the deep end. How long have you been in the real this estate is, industry? It's embarrassing. Embarrassing. Why? 36 years. You know, I well, why is it, it. I mean, I'm addicted to it. It's, it's why is it embarrassing? It's because I jump out of it. I've made, I've made plenty of money. I enjoy it, and I, and, but I have gone to three states. I've been a broker in Texas, New Mexico, and now I'm in Arizona. I keep moving west. <laughs> but why are you embarrassed? I'm curious. Seriously, what am I missing? Well, it's just I, I think 30, 36 years is a long time to be in real estate, but it has been the most fun I've ever had in my life. I've never really thought I had a job. It's a lifestyle. Sounds to me like it's a blessing. I mean, to do something that you're still so much in love with after 36 years, that's the dream. So I, you know, wish that for everyone. Well, so I'm going to ask you this question. I like to ask this question of all of our guests. Um, And it really, I think, really sets the stage for, for the listeners to know what the nature of the next 30 minutes together is going to be like. So if you had to restart your career, okay, we're talking to, you know, Suzanne back where she was living, you know, almost 40 years ago. And I ask you this question, okay, it's, so what year would it be? It would be 1970, what year would it be? Help me do the math. <laughs> uh, well, I started 79. in 84, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right, so I, I ask you the question. 84, I, I, 83, 82. <laughs> okay, so I ask you, you know, Ron Reagan's president, I ask you the question, what would be the three things that you would have loved for that version of yourself 36 years ago to know that would have shortened your learning curve? What do you wish you would have known, maybe focused more on? You can take the question in whatever direction you want to. But are there three things that, in retrospect, you, you would love for every agent to know who's getting into the business now? I think the most important thing, because I've done both, and I, and is I have owned my own real estate company, 
and been a broker and I had a boutique agency in Santa Fe. I think it's the most important thing if I had known that it's really you make more money being an agent than you do owning an, a, a, an old franchise or big box company, so to speak. Um, it's just sales is the name of the game. It That has been an important lesson for me. And number two, I think that you can sell a million-dollar house, a $5 million house, luxury. It, you can sell high-end just as easily as you can sell a $300,000 house. And so I wish that the numbers had not intimidated me and um, because I sell a lot of high-end now and, um, I, you know, I've, I've sold only three houses this year, but one was $5 million and the other two were over a million each. And I didn't even try to get the business. It just came to me. And it's funny how you learn how to sniff it out after you've been in it a while where you don't have to really work too much. On lead generation, you can pick up and, and spot a buyer and get the business. Um, well, he, the third you, let, thing, let's – okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. No, I think that's it. And the third thing, I, I think that um, I probably would have – done my finances a little bit differently. I would have um, uh, probably saved a little bit more money, cash, mm. for the, the cyclical part because real estate is cyclical. I didn't realize I've been through two or three cycles now. And real estate sells in a down market. It sells in an up market. But you have to have a holding pattern and put yourself – I wish I had had a bookkeeper from the very beginning and been a little bit more organized with my finances. But I've, I've turned out – it's turned out wonderful, but it, I had to learn a lot in the, in the last 10 years to get it teed up where I would have enough money to just be able to stop. And we're going to talk about that too because you've sold a ton of houses in your career, you know, and a I love it. <laughs> I adore your three answers, by the way, because they're so honest. They're the, you know what? What you just said, like if I am interviewing somebody, Suzanne, who's say 45, and let's say this person got their license when they were 20, and I asked them those three, I asked them the same exact question, they would be thinking yeah. what you said, but they, but they would be thinking what you said, but they wouldn't say what you said. They would say things like, "I would have spent more time in my centers of influence and past clients." I would. They wouldn't. What you gave were really incredibly powerful answers that I hope everyone's listening to. So she said, in this order, I'll summarize it: being a broker just makes you broker. The money's on the sales side of the business, and specifically on the listing yes. side, which I'm sure she'll agree. Okay, number yes. two. Your second point was. My second point was, um, uh, what was it? We. I know we were well, your talking about point, the finances. Your, thir- your, your, thir- your third point would have been that you would save more money, okay? Yeah. That was your thir- third point. And you know what? I don't remember your second point either. I didn't write it down. But you know what? We'll what? both remember it in two seconds. We'll, bo- we'll both yeah. remember it in two seconds, you whites. But, guys, listen. Here's the, here's the takeaway. Um, a lot of you listening are brokerages and you, own, or you run teams. And you're wondering, and, and I know this time of year, really any time of year, you're looking at your books. Maybe you're looking at them objectively for the first time and you're wondering why you're not making more net income, and you're maybe in your heart of hearts you're thinking you're defective and somehow your business acumen is not what it should be, and maybe all those things are true. But here's really what you need to maybe allow yourself to accept 
is the brokerage, especially the you know, small, medium-sized brokerage business model and the team business model, does not produce enough profit that's going to weather the storms of the ups and downs, the cyclical nature that Suzanne just said. And unless you've got a bunch of stakes in the freezer or savings, you're not, your business is not and you're personally not going to survive those ups and downs in the market. And I agree with her a thousand percent. If that's And having coached agents for as long as we have – when the when the market hits so funny, people's behavior they always they always think that somehow they can they can outsmart or outwork a changing market. They think that somehow their brokerage and their ability to you know somehow move quicker than everyone else is going to make it so the recession or the downturn isn't going to affect them. And it always does. And, I mean, guys, there's exactly. yeah, there's a difference between yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Well, and the second point was it's just as easy to sell a million dollar or five million dollar house oh, yes. as it is a, a low end. Because yep. when the market does turn, you can go back and resell those houses. Um you you know, your relationships are that's your business and you keep up with those people and that's that's that is what keeps you going. And you can deal with the same clients over and over and over again unless you change markets like i've been in three different markets so but i refer still to dallas i still refer to santa fe new mexico i just received a seven thousand dollar referral fee and referral business is huge right now for me because i have so many clients i've never lost touch with my clients that is a huge thing i try you know unless they've died or moved on or whatever. But I, I, I try to stay in touch with those because it's very important to keep those relationships. They come to me as the expert in real estate. They say, who, Suzanne, is, is the person I need to list this house within Dallas? But you just got to stay in touch with them. You do. And so let's talk about all the trends that have been in I, I've sort of, you know, Julie and I have started paying attention to the industry in the 90s when we got into real estate. So I've seen the start of these trends with teams and branding and marketing. And then, of course, there's the buying buyer leads. And then there's the social networking trend and all the, mar- you know, uh, all the stuff just keeps on getting regurgitated over and over again. And you guys listen to someone like Suzanne, it always comes back to this. I had a question. I had somebody ask me a question yesterday, Suzanne. I'll ask you this question. It goes to the point I was just making. Do you think there'll ever be a time when technology replaces essentially the real estate practitioner? No, because it's all about relationships. Your sphere of influence is your number one lead generator. Well, it should be, right? (laughs) It should be. If you're working it. Well, if you're working it, if you're working it, right. But you can't have a relationship with all the – the technology is certainly a great vehicle right now, but a lot of people get burned out, and they still like a person. They still like a a call. They still – I mean, even more so, it it swings back. Everything swings back. And what do you mean by that? It's huge. What do you mean by it swings back? I – I do a lot of texting with my people and I have with my, with my clients and my buyers and sellers. And I have them constantly several saying, would you just call? I'd like to hear your voice. Now I do have a Southern (laughs) accent. I do have a Texas accent. It is here. It never left, even though I left Texas, but they still, they, they want that. They want that, that, that bond. 
They do. And so that was my answer, too, to the, the guy who was asking me this question, because he was a younger guy, and he was worried the relevancy of his, you know, choosing this career path. And I explained to him that there'll never be a time when people don't want a, tra- a caring, trusted professional on the other side of a big financial transaction. It'll just never – that'll always be the case. And you just have to basically earn the right to basically help that agent through that pro- – or help that seller through that process. So you said something else, too. I'm, I'm curious. Agents nowadays are so addicted to doing things that do not require direct interaction with people. They want to do everything passively through digital. They don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to have conversations. They rationalize a million different ways not to actually have to do the real work of real estate. When you are talking with an agent who is trying to get their business stabilized income-wise, and you're telling them to work their centers of influence past clients, and they resist actually having that you know, picking up the phone contact, what do you tell them? I tell them, try not to be socially retarded. You need to absolutely have, the, have to have the ability to establish a quick rapport with whomever you're with, and you need to practice those social skills because they will serve you in real estate more than any sort of social media or texting or emailing or any of that stuff. It it really is true, and and it's, I think you know, people get socially intimidated. They get very they're very scared if they don't practice it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of people who are essentially only doing digital communication who think talking with someone is talking to them through chat. It, you are developing those social skills, and if you want an unfair advantage in your marketplace, here's here it is. Ready. Listeners, are you listening? She said it three times now. Pick up the phone. You know, Go talk to people because all your competitors are not doing that. So if you want to really stand out in your marketplace with your clients or your prospective clients, there you go. That's the key. Some of you call it old it school. Some key. of you call it – it is. You know, and it's, a lot, it's, not even, it's not even an art form. It's just a, it's a, a sense of uh, staying attached and connected to people, which is what we all want. We all want to feel – you know, attachment in her voice when she, you know, folks want to talk to her. It's all that. You guys want the same thing. That's the reason you listen to this podcast every day. You listen to this podcast because we have a relationship, Julie and I, with all of you podcast listeners, the tens of thousands that listen on some days. That's a relationship, right? Well, why aren't you doing the same thing to communicate with your centers of influence and past clients on a personal basis? You guys text me. I call you back. You know, you guys ask for help. We help you. That direct communication and that's the key. Don't lose sight of that. And if you, again, if you're new in the business or if you're not having the year that you thought you would, pick up the phone. Start calling your centers of influence and past clients. Wish them, you know, depending on what time of year it is, wish them happy holidays or wish them a happy, you know, whatever. Just pick up the phone. That's the key. So It Suzanne, establishes one of my core values, and it's code integrity. It's just when you can't sell integrity over a a text or a you know a, a, a system a CRM, but you you can you can show um, your consistency with something and that you're on it, but the phone call and the voice and the touching base on a one-to-one establishes who you are, your integrity, and that's that's important to the buyer or the seller. So you owned – I heard you say in the intro, you, you said you owned three different brokerages, correct? You started three different brokerages in three different states. Did I hear you correct? No, I was in three different states, but I've owned my own brokerage in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I had a high-end luxury um, real estate company, and I sold out to um, – uh, well, 
it was it was Prudential at the time. Berkshire Hathaway ended up buying it. It was an individual that then turned it into the Berkshire Hathaway or, or Prudential um, franchise. And he ended up doing four or five of them all over New Mexico. But mine was a high-end boutique real estate company when I started it. So there's a lot of people, a lot of brokers that have um, you know similar businesses that you had, and they aren't making any money, and they're running a nice edge as far as profit margins. But they want to hold on to these businesses because they have a lot of ego attachment to those types of businesses. I, I'm sure you've run into people like that. I'm sure you talk to people like that. They don't know quite how to of, let. I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, why? So I help that I had my ego. Go ahead. Mansion across the street from the Santa, from the New Mexico Capitol building. Mine was a beautiful old mansion, and I mean, I love the agents coming there. Well, let me tell you how much it costs to rent that mansion, and then to staff it with staff and desks and telephones, and then how much it, you know, it 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 was not an easy ship to run. And I had ninety agents, and wow. it, it was it when I sold that, which was. Over ten years ago, my overhead was about forty three thousand dollars a month, and that was high for that day and time and um, The agents would get angry with me when I did real estate because they said well you 're the broker you 're rich. why are you competing against us it 's a no win deal to really be in that position, and I had all the liability on top of that. Was there ever a time when the brokerage model like you described made sense? Was there ever a time in your almost 40 years in the industry no. where it was like a no-brainer? No. So it's never made sense financially. No. It has never made sense at all. It's just that we didn't have a choice. We didn't we didn't know that there was another way. And, of course, now with the platform uh, brokerage uh, like EXP, that is a much sounder, better, sensible approach. Franchising and owning boutique companies is – it's it's with bricks and mortar. It's it's impossible to get ahead money wise. So I was forever grateful that I was able to sell that, and I didn't sell it for a lot of money. I mean, I sold, I made a nice little profit. But what do you have to sell unless you own the building? And and if you're leasing, then the agents they might lease. I mean, so you can't. You really just sell the reputation. It's not a. It it it's just it's a no go deal. <laughs> It is, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing, too, because so many people, it's the ego, right? You know, I'm a successful it's agent, now I want it. Uh-huh. It's right. Or I, it's, the, uh-huh. it's a weird thing, and I suffered it too from it, too, and I see coaching clients. When Julie and I sold real estate, you're successful at real estate. You get kind of bored and complacent doing it. You've you know, gotten all the awards, accolades, and all the other silliness that comes with success in this industry. And then right. you think, well, I guess, it's time, I guess it's time for me to move on. I'm going to you know, form a team or I'm going to form a brokerage. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's supposed to, the, next the next step, step is the step you were on, right? But that mm-hmm. don't you think that's a fascinating thing? It's it's a total ego thing, you know. But yeah. Right. So when you had to, when you had to let you that go, ten, ego. <laughs> no, you can't. So it's, when you let that go, ten, <laughs> when you yeah. let that go ten years ago, how did you? What, what did that feel like? Because this was a successful thing. I can hear. I still hear the pride in your voice as you're describing it. I'd love to have seen this brokerage in this old mansion i bet it was magnificent so when you are walking away from that i mean other than the relief of not having to deal with it anymore emotionally can you walk us through how you kind of got through that process well i was scared to death 
And I just, I didn't think, I did not think I could do it. What could I do again? Where could I go next? But that, I will parlay from that. I was moving from Santa Fe to Phoenix. And at that time, my my family had moved to Phoenix. So I thought, well, I'll just get my broker's license in Phoenix and start over. And it's real interesting about, and now I have a multi-license. I'm with a wonderful company that I can be, license in two states and work under one umbrella. So I'm licensed in New Mexico and I'm licensed in um, uh, 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 Arizona. And I, and I go back and forth and I have homes in both places and I work both markets and I refer sometimes if I don't want to go over there in the winter, like I just referred one out and, um, but I have fun with it, but I had to, I had to change my mindset to answer your question to the fact that abundance, is everywhere and I could go and recreate and I was <laughs> by the time I got through selling that I did see the light that there was a lot more money in in just being an agent in a company than there was in being a broker and um, the aha came on so you take your pride and your ego and you just and you just go on and 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 as far as everybody was concerned I had a very successful business in Santa Fe, it was called Town and Ranch, and we sold a lot of uh, country and, and and a lot of ranches and and beautiful luxury homes. But the cut wasn't there for me. It was all the agents were making a lot more money than I was. So how long do you want to just do that? You know, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. After about, I started in '94, <laughs> and with that company, and I. I saw that that this was not going to make it work for me and get me where I could make enough money to be comfortable where I didn't have to sell real estate and I don't have to do anything, and that's where I am now. Yeah, you said that most of your affluence came in the last 10 years when you finally stopped being a broker. I hope the listeners picked that up. That was an interesting little yeah. – uh, factoid about you it's kind of funny isn't it you got rid of this big you know quote unquote asset and as soon as you get rid of it you become wealthy that's kind of funny and it wasn't from selling the business your reputation stays with you your reputation stays with you and that's what we forget we our identity we wrap up in that company that we owned and did but it's Mm -hmm. not it's us we have that we have that that in fact i had a very interesting thing happen about four years ago I walked into a hotel in Albuquerque and said, hi, I'm Suzanne Fuquois, and I'm here to check in. And this lady came out from behind the the desk or in, in the office, and she said, Suzanne, I haven't seen you in 15 years. I'm Peggy. And I said, oh, my gosh, Peggy. She said, are you still in real estate? And I said, oh, yes. I gave her the joke. Oh, realtors never die. They just become listless. And um, <laughs> anyway, she said <laughs> – she said, well, I've got – I need some help. And you know what, Suzanne? I'm so glad that you're here because you're the – you know, I know you. We can trust you. I know what you've done. I know who you are. So mm-hmm. I, anyway, long story short, I met with her family. They sold over $20 million worth of water rights to the city of El Paso in the state of Texas, and they had to put all of that in real estate in, like, six months or four months. <coughs> So I helped them buy $20 million worth of real estate, all big seven houses, over a million, you know, on and on 
investment properties and all, but they wanted to do it with somebody they trust. It was pure luck that I just went in there and saw her, and she said, there you are, but I had a reputation. They didn't say, oh, she's a loser because she sold her company and she moved on. No, no, no. They said, oh, it's Suzanne. That's the difference. That's awesome. You know, that is very important. I hope everyone's listening. And ultimately, guys, you have to decide what's important to you. If you're doing something for profit, if you're doing something to help people and it's making you lots of profit, or are you just doing something basically because it's an ego thing? You know, and I I love what she's saying because she's so honest. So many of you guys and gals are suffering because you're holding on to these dysfunctional businesses and you know it's not making you any money, but you're afraid to close the doors or look at alternatives because you're worried about what other people will say. You actually think that other people are talking about you. You're worried about, oh my gosh, what will it look like? It's because your ego is attached to something that's actually hurting you. Financially, anyway. So just things to consider. Yeah. I, I, love, I love your brutality of your honesty. Now, I'll tell you something I just learned about you prior to the, this uh, interview, which I really liked. You were one of the first 20 people to join EXP Realty, which is now close to 30,000 agents you know, in the United States, Canada, Australia, and England. Yeah, you, so you were one of the first 20. So tell us about how you came across EXP and how you decided to you – know, I'm really curious. I have no idea. How, how did it happen? Well, how it happened was um, that I moved to, after I sold the company, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where my family was. And um, I just put my license with HomeSmart, an independent company that is 100% office, and just parked it there. And And I thought, well, I'll just do it the same old way that I will just, you know, get involved in my community and my church and everything and start meeting people and, you know, in the clubs and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I decided to go up to the office one day just to check and see if anybody needed anything because I thought maybe if I worked with another realtor, I would learn more about the community and get in there. And I walked in, and there was Brian Colhane and Glenn Sanford, and they were interviewing for the buyers group before EXP started. And so I went in with my resume, and they saw that I, I I was like the dinosaur that they needed. I was like somebody who knew enough about the old bricks and mortar to parlay into the new platform uh, type of real estate company that Glenn had uh, conjured up in his mind. And so I joined that group, and then about, I think, a year later, that's when Glenn said, well, we're going to parlay off. And he said, Suzanne, you're a broker in two states. So I was the first state broker in New Mexico, the first state broker in Arizona. And I, um, I helped help the guys push the merry-go-round to get it started. And, and it was not, I didn't have a very big part, but I was there for sure and watched them. And Glenn just was just brilliant in how he played the game. And it was like, he knew the steps to take and get it there, and then he met, you know, the right people that plugged him in that believed and understood because so many of us had, had really seen the franchise model not not really give us what we want. And so as a result, I was able to make great income selling real estate, but I was able then once we introduced the stock, I was able to – I just – just cashed in $100,000 of my stock and remodeled my home. I got to go to Russia last year. I went to Barcelona this year. I mean, 
I've been able to do things that I never could do in a franchise or or an individual boutique real estate uh, model because I have more money. Because when in the old days when we sold the house, we might run out if it's a lot and buy a car, a new car, or you know go in and and send our kid, make sure she's in private school and taken care of, or whatever it might be that we needed to do at the time that we thought we needed to do, if that was what we wanted to do. And But it's, it's, it was different with, with where I am now, because I have, I have three incomes, and I never could have had that kind of money. So the last well, 10 talk years, talk about that. Thanks really But talk about up. that. I mean, th- yeah, this is a lot of people. So guys, if you want, it, she's talking about, she said several things. And all of you are going to be interested in what she's saying, and all of you are going to want to know more about what she's saying. And so we've made it super simple to get information about EXP, and here's all it takes. Just right now, most of you are listening on your mobile devices. Just text the word EXP to 31996, and you'll get texted back a a quick seven-minute video that will answer basically all your questions and get the conversation started. So just text the word EXP to 31996. All right, so you said you had three different sources. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, Garrett Steve did a great job. So you are uh, you just said something that's really important and I hope the listeners are digesting this. Um you have three sources of income because of your association with EXP. Can you explain that? Well, I have uh, just I have my commissions and that's wonderful and I cap out at 16,000 and of course this year I capped because I sold those, you know, three great houses at three wonderful prices and um my goodness, my commission on that one that sold for four point eight million cash, just that alone put me over the top. And um then I got I have been buying they have a direct stock purchase program where I get stock at a twenty percent discount. And our stock has been real interesting and I can say this because I've been there since the beginning, is that it has consistently gone up with the number of agents, which kinda makes sense. I mean, I'm not one to say whether it's going to go up or down in any direction, but I've just historically have watched it where it's grown. And so therefore every year my stock, my value, my stock goes up and has been able to, to give me great income. And that has been a a forced savings account. I would never have saved that money. And I get awarded. There are five ways they award you stock when you, when you cap, when you bring in your first deal. And then because I've, I've been there a while, I really didn't start attracting other agents to EXP because I was so busy being the broker or, or you know, doing something, you know, in, in another capacity. But I was just looking at my numbers. To this date, I have 1,048 people in my RevShare group. And so, and I personally have sponsored 62. Now I have 35 of those that are all that are working and making money, you know, that are still still with it. But with that, I get a referral fee off of everything that those people, um, not all of them, but I get a referral fee on most of those people. And that referral fee that comes in, they pay me as residual income. And that in itself is enough to maintain an incredible lifestyle that I have. I live at a resort at the Biltmore in Arizona. I have a beautiful <laughs> adobe home in Santa Fe, New Mexico that is exquisite. And I travel all over the place, and I work about three hours a day. I mean, I have a great life, unless I'm showing real estate, then I immerse myself in it. And, you know, That becomes a, uh, a game. 
Well, so I, I hope listeners. I know listeners. I know that she just said a lot, but what I want you to understand is you can just text the word EXP to three one nine nine six to watch the video and understand the real drill down on the different sources of income she's talking about. One of the things in particular that she talked about was the revenue share, which she and I are not going to get into the weeds on this podcast about the numbers. But you, but I hope you did understand. In the so you've been with EXP for how long now? Ten years. Since it started, ten years. Mm-hmm. Okay, and but in that I time, really, yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't really worked at at attracting agents. I've just that's what I wanted to ask you. And, yeah, yeah, but no. that's what I wanted to ask you. So you have you have a thousand uh, listeners. Here's the thing: a lot of people come across the XP and they say, "Look, I get the revenue share thing. That is absolutely the coolest thing I've ever seen." But I don't want to recruit agents. And what I'm hoping you're hearing is that she. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm, the, Can you drill down on that? So help them understand how it actually works for someone. If you you know you don't want to be a recruiter, uh, but yet you've recruited, and so how does that work? How that works is this: every deal is a transaction that you have. Every, there's somebody on the other side, and when they're on the other side, and I I tend to share with them about my company, and I don't say anything else, but. I I just I just drop you know tell the information and they seem to eventually people it doesn't happen the first time you can't just say to somebody oh let me tell you all about this company that brings in all these different incomes because it's like what it's so foreign even though a lot of people have heard about it but they're so foreign to people realtors don't understand that they have the ability to make more than just a commission we're better than just our last deal and that that mind shift has really just evolved in the last few years. So when I talk to people that I do a transaction with or when I go show properties or when I – and usually what I do is I give them my card, and this sounds crazy, but I printed my cards on real thick stock. And people, when they get my card, they go – they look at it. They go, my gosh, this card is so thick. I said, yes, you won't ever lose it. And then they're like, yeah. I said, well, you're with the FP. Yes, you know that. And then I tell them. So it just, I just spread the word like Johnny Appleseed. You just spread the seeds, and it comes back to you. And then and people remember, that are new. Yeah. Well, she's got over 1,000 people. She has over a thousand yeah. people. A lot of you guys don't know what that means, but and, and again, we're not going to. You watch the video, but she has over a thousand people that have been attracted to EXP from the people that she sponsored, and she said she's got essentially thirty-five people, um, and she's in the last ten years that she's attracted was it sixty-seven people altogether. So that's doable by any of you. Yeah. 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 That's like six a year, guys. Right. It's it's not. That's, it's not hard. I mean, you're talking about one or two or three or four a month. I mean, a year. Excuse me, a year. But it yep. adds up. And then just little, you get referral fees off the top of everything, off the 20% that goes to the company. And then when they cap out, which everybody hopefully becomes a capper and they get on 100%, you don't get any more. But each agent is worth so much money. And I get those referral fees, and they add up. And so now when I get this check on the 22nd, it covers everything. My mortgages on two houses, my car payments, everything that I do. And then everything else I just save. I save my stock money and I save my commission money. And 
I don't want to pay off my houses because I need the write-offs. <laughs> well, the interest rate's so low right now. It's quite, kind of crazy not to. Uh, I mean, yeah, to have them paid off. Yeah, and, and rates are going yeah. lower too, which is like, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of some nice debt to have. So it, it, this, it's nice I hope debt. listeners are. Yeah, it is. So uh, you know, one of the things that Glenn said, I watched this in an interview, and I just I, I loved it. He basically was, you know, essentially in his the formidable years of VXP, back around the same time the market was, you know, going through this horrible. I mean, that wasn't even a recession, right, Suzanne? There was nothing like that. That makes the crappy market. They didn't call it was. It, I agree. And you know what? Historically, that's what it'll be referenced. But of course, nowadays we don't want to call it that for the sake of politics. But it is definitely a depression. So yeah, and he said, and this honestly, this is one of the reasons that Julie and I aligned with the XP when I when I heard him say this, and I heard him say it in other iterations, but you know, never so clearly in this little short video. He said he was noticing how many agents were just devastated after or during the depression. And they were, and just wiped completely out. Just horribleness happens when you have no money and you have no prospects. And, you know, the industry wasn't really prepping itself, let alone telling agents to prepare themselves like you just heard Suzanne say. Listen to the three things that she said she did. Um, I bet you if I had asked for more and EXP had been around back when she got in the business 36 years ago, she would have, said she would have joined EXP and skipped the whole brokerage journey. But the moral oh of the story, guys, is – yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> but, hey, by the way, I don't know if you put these thoughts together, but you still are a broker uh, in a way through EXP, and you don't have all the headaches of the liability. Um, but, yeah, guys, it's about what's best for agents. This is the only agent-centric brokerage. Everyone says that. Oh, we're agent-centric. Okay, what does that really mean? doesn't mean anything. This is the only – you know what, what EXP has done, what Glenn Sanford did um, – is something that truly is agent-centric. This is going to give all of you guys who take this seriously an opportunity to have an alternative financial future that doesn't have to be, you know, essentially transactionally based, but it can give you a retirement. It can give you financial security. Uh, that's I, it, it genuinely makes me excited because, like Glenn, Julie and I were coaching during that depression, and we saw the same devastation he saw, and I'm going to just do everything I can to get as many agents to pay attention to the fact that they don't have to needlessly suffer through the next downturn, which has arguably already started. So, yeah. Hey, and you know what, Suzanne? I'll be sitting I, in my beautiful. I'll, I'll be sitting in my beautiful <laughs> office in the class um, in the EXP world because I have an exquisite office. It'll never go away. Nothing can take that away. She's talking about in EXP world, there's the virtual world, which some of you guys will learn when you text the word EXP to 31996. And so you can actually go into EXP world and you can visit with her in her office. That's pretty cool. We actually have premier, we have rooms now. And it's, it's great. They've actually opened up the um, where agents can rent a room. I mean, you can have your own space there. So I have my own space in the premier um, agent room. And so it's very nice. And I just have an office there and it's kind of fun. And if anybody wants to find me, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to buy the coffee and you don't have to worry about them tripping on the carpet and, you know, filing a suit against you. You don't have to worry about all the stuff you well, did when you had a relocation. You could, you could text yeah. me or call me and I could pop over there and then I can see you. <laughs> in five That's minutes. awesome. Hey, listen, thank you very, very much, Suzanne. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Um, and thank you for being such a pioneer with the XP, too, by the way. 
you because Thank of the you. person you are, I, I think probably you were more influential on more people joining EXP than probably you recognize because of what a I mean, what a magnificent agent, but also a true professional and a classy lady, obviously, you. that you are. You certainly brought EXP into the future like so many other people have as well. But to be one of the first twenty at such a revolutionary, groundbreaking sort of, you know, industry shifting uh, time, I think that's pretty cool. I wish I could have been there with you, but there you go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm full of gratitude. I, I, it's been the most exciting ride of my life in, uh, professionally. It really has been. Thank you for sharing today. Thank you for being so honest to all the listeners, and I hope they're listening. So, Suzanne, if they want to find you, and this is up to you, it's okay if you say no, okay? If they want to connect with you, do you want to give out your cell phone number? It's t- entirely up to you. Sure. Sure, and no, I'm happy to. It's 602-526-6565. And I'll suggest you guys text her. Don't call her. Text her first. You heard her say that she likes to receive texts and sends texts. That's the easier way. That way it's less uh, obtrusive if she has another conversation going on. So can you give that cell phone number one more time? 602-526-6565. All right. So, hey, Suzanne, thank you very much for being my co-host. Listeners, I hope you learned something from this. I did. I found her very motivational, encouraging. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I love interviews like this because they're real. There's no pompous ego stuff going on. No. She's just telling you from her, she's telling you from her heart what she wishes she would have known, and hopefully you guys are listening. And it, also something else, if you are at a point in your career – in your life, where you're starting, and maybe Suzanne, this sparks a conversation again. If you don't, if you want to pick this up, it's up to you. Where you're starting to give up, and I hear this in coaching calls, where you're maybe at the point where you think your best days are behind you, where you have get, are starting to give up on your dreams and your goals and your aspirations. Maybe you think that you know I tried the brokerage, I tried the team thing, it didn't work. It must be me, and you're, now you're starting to basically, you know, give up. If you think that you have no future, uh, you maybe just want to you want to look into an alternative path. And that's really what I hope some of you took from this interview with her today. She never gave up. She never even thought about it. And she kept looking and she kept evolving. And she came across, you know, this brokerage that she's associated with, the XP. And now you're hearing her talk about a completely different iteration of herself. You can do the same thing. Well, and you right? can be an owner. See, you're an agent owner of this company. It's national. It's on the NASDAQ. It's a, it's a publicly held company and so I have pride of ownership just as much pride of ownership of EXP as I did in my own company in Santa Fe more because this this company you better put on your seat your seatbelt it is going fast it is absolutely so much fun I've never if you want to experience success beyond this is the collective group that's 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 taking us all to to a an incredible height of success and to be able to claim ownership in this, and everybody, when you join, they want to make sure you're an owner. You get stuck when you when you do your first deal and you close it. They want to make sure that you are in the in in with us all. We're all collaborative, collaborating and on the same playing field. It's an even playing field. How lucky are we to be able to be in a situation like this? It is absolutely. Um, it's a wonderful thing to have something like like this company EXP watching your back. They're they're there for you. It is incredible. It's a whole new paradigm shift in the industry. And um, 
I, I predict because Glenn said this in six years they'll be they'll they'll be we're I don't think anybody could recreate that the platform model is the wave of the future. The franchise really just they haven't gotten the note yet, but it really is over. You know, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. They haven't gotten the memo. Yeah, so, I hate to say it, so, that. It, it's just that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. The costs are too high. It doesn't make sense financially. It just doesn't pen out, no. and that's the reason and ESP no one is the virtual model. No one wants to. You know, and you don't. You, you don't. You wouldn't sit in the office with people that are talking about what? I mean, who's sitting in the office? They're not the producers. They're out working. Yeah. You know. That's right. So if you all have wondered what it feels like to be in the right place at the right time, maybe you are in the right place at the right time, but it's not going to be that for you unless you take action on it. So I strongly suggest all of you text the word EXP to 31996. Hey, Suzanne, thank you for your time today. I loved meeting you, and I loved the, uh, the interview. You've helped, uh, hopefully, thousands and thousands of people from this podcast. I sincerely appreciate the honor of having you on our show. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Mm-hmm.